and welcome everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of All Parsha on Parshas Boy. In this segment, we're going to focus on the Balhaturim on Parshas Boy. For this week, I'd like to share with you five very brief thoughts of the Balhaturim before we conclude with our main offering for the week um, in the sixth comment that we'd like to focus on on the Balhaturim. So the parsha begins Parak Yod Pasak El Paray. So the Balatur immediately comments on the fact that, you know, at times Hashem tells Moshe Boy El Paray, sometimes he says Lech El Paray. What is the distinction? When does Riban Shem use the word boy? When does Riban Shem use the word Lech? Well says the Balaturim, when Hashem tells him to come to his house, he says Boy El Paray. It, when Hashem says, come to the house of Paroi, it's Lavoi, it's Boi. However, when he says, go to the water, when Paroi will be found by the water, he says, Lech. So that's a good idea, that's a good piece of knowledge to have. Boi refers to go to Paroi's house, Lech refers to greet Paroi at the water. And then the Balaturim comments, Boi has a significant numerical value. This might be one of the most well-known gematrias in the whole Torah, Boi. Of course, that's a very simple gematria to figure out. Three bases, two alpha is one. Boy el para indicating three makos to go. We have three more makos left. Arba, choyshech, makos b'choyros. Parshas Boira has seven makos. Parshas boy, three makos. However, the Balaturim says that the pasta concludes, parakir pasakaf, liman shisi, oisoy, say elab bikirboy, in order that I can place. Now the word shisi, can be spelled Shin Yud Taf Yud. However, in this Pasuk, it's spelled Chasar, Shin Taf Yud. It could also be read Shtei, indicating that Hashem is telling Moshe, warn Paroi about two more Makos, Arbe and Choshech. Well, what about Makos Bechoyros? How does this Remez, how can this Remez be understood? Well, says the Balaturim, Hashem already had Moshe warn Paroi about Makos Bechoyros when he said, V'hinei lo shamata ad koi. So Ad Kai Parak will not listen to you until Kai. In other words, Parak will not listen until Makas Bechoris, which begins with the words Kai Amar Hashem Ka Bachatzois Halayla or Kachatzois Halayla. So she see indicates Hashem is telling Moshe there are two more Makas to go that I have not told you about. But Makas Bechoris, the third one that I already told you about when I said Vehine Lo Shamata Ad Kai, that is the third offering. We move on to the next pasuk. In order that you should relate in the ears of your children and your grandchildren. No. Why stop there? You have a good thing going. Why dafka your children and grandchildren? So the Balaturim's first comment is, Up to here is the mercy of a father on his descendants. That is a statement from Bereshis Rabbah, Parshan and Daud, Ois Beis. In other words, of course you should try to teach it to, uh, to as many generations as possible, but typically a father will have mercy on a child and a grandchild, and at that point in time, there's a certain significant wane in the rachamim of a father to a child. So therefore it specifically says, Ba'aznei bincha uven bincha. Now, to me, this is, there's a very interesting insight in this Balaturim, namely, relaying Torah, speaking about HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is a manner with which a father has mercy on his child. Teaching Torah, 
saying over the Masaira, relaying the tradition, is not just conveying information. This is the greatest fatherly mercy that a, file, a father and a parent has on his progeny. And therefore, it's Mantisavra Bazne Bincha Uven Bincha. And this is something we should recognize that not only do we want to teach Torah to our children because we want to fill their minds with important information, but it is a sign of our great mercy that we have for them, that we want them to be successful and save them from the vicissitudes of life by arming them with the wellsprings of Torah. But then the Balaturim continues that corresponding to the three generations that were in Mitzrayim, as Rashi says elsewhere, that Yaakov's son Yehuda was in Egypt, and then Peretz, and then Chetzroin, and already Kalev ben Yifuna, the fourth generation, left Mitzrayim. Therefore, the symbolism of corresponds to the three generations that were in Mitzrayim. That is the fourth offering. Offering number five, Perek Yud, Pasuk Yud. Vayoimer Aleihem, Yihichain, Hashem Yimachem Kasher, Ashalach Eschem Bies Tapechem. Pari says to Moshe, Reu, see, Kira'a Neged Pnechem. There's evil before you. Rashi quotes the Medrash Haggadah that there's a star whose name is Ra'a. That Pari says, I see in my astrological signs that you are, you will meet doom and gloom in the desert. There is a star that is Oyla, which is a simon of blood. And what Paro didn't realize was that blood represented the Damila that Klayusa would circumcise themselves in the Midbar. However, the Balaturim points out the Soyfei Tevois of Kira'a Neged Pnechem. Ra'a Neged Pnechem stands for Hadam, the blood. That was the remez in the passage where Paro was saying, I see blood in your future. By the way, Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar points out that this star that was uh, arising in Paro's uh, vision was Mars, the red planet. Okay, so these are five short thoughts of the Balaturim. I would like to conclude with one major offering on the Balaturim's amazing comment. Parakyod Pasuk Yodaled, Vaya'al Ho'arba, the Arba arose, Al-Kalaretz Mitzrayim, above, upon all the land of Egypt, Vayanach, and it rested Bechayel Gvul Mitzrayim, in the whole border of Egypt. The locust, I remember one time I referred to Arba as grasshoppers, somebody corrected me, these are not grasshoppers, they're locusts, okay, whatever they were, they were Arba. They rested in the land of Egypt. Rested implies, yeah, I don't know, they took a nap, they uh, relaxed on a, on a hammock, is that what it means? Vayanach, and the Balatun points out, that there's another instance where the word Vayanach appears. Beis b'mesorah means there's a, most, a, a Masoretic note that indicates that two times in Tanakh we have the word Vayanach. And probably you already got it. Vayanach b'yom hashvi. What is the commonality between Vayanach b'yom hashvi and Vayanach b'chol g'vul mitzrayim? Says the Balaturim, Malamed shenach ha'arbe b'shabes. This teaches us that the locust rested on Shabbos. What's going on over here? Sabbath observant locust. What a phenomenon. <clears throat> Why did the locust rest on Shabbos? Why does the Torah tell this to us? Why is this so significant? Why is this important? What's the meaning of the resting locust on Shabbos? So I want to share a, a thought that I once heard from, 
Hagoin, Rav Noach, Isaac Obam, Shlita, based on the Ramban and the opening of this parasha. Go to Paroi. No, and do what? Every other Makkah, Hashem tells Moshe, go to Paroi and tell him. There'll be Dam. There'll be Tzvardeya, Kivim, Aroif. And here Hashem just says to Moshe, go to Paroi. And what's Moshe supposed to tell Paroi? Well, the Ramban says there's one other Makkah where there's some missing information. By the Makkah of Barad, Hashem does tell Moshe about Makkah's Barad. But when Moshe comes to Paroi, Par- Moshe seems to omit what the upcoming Makkah would be. And the Ramban says, look, the Torah sometimes is Marich, sometimes is Makatzer. But the Torah doesn't have to say both what God instructed Moshe and what Moshe tells Paroi. By Barad, it omits what Moshe told Paroi, but certainly he told him about the Barad. By Arba, Hashem um, told Moshe about the Arba. <clears throat> but it's omitted. In other words, we know Moshe tells Paroi about the Arba, and certainly Hashem told Moshe about the Arba, but it's omitted because it's understood. The Torah doesn't have to say on both ends what Hashem tells Moshe and what Moshe tells Paroi. One is sufficient. However, Reb Simcha Bunim of Parshischa develops an amazing approach to the Makkah of Arba. He says, firstly, the Ramban's Kasha, why is Moshe not instructed what Makkah to bring in this Makkah, in this eighth Makkah? Why doesn't Hashem say, go to Paray and tell him about Makkah's Arba? Furthermore, an amazing observation of Rab Simcha Bunim of Parshischa in the Sefer Koyal Simcha. What is Paro's reaction to Arba? Parak Yod Pasuk Tezayin, Vayamaher Paroi, Paroi hastens, Likroi Lamoshe Liaroin, to call Moshe and Aaron. Vayoymer, he says, Chatosi Lashem Alekechem, I sinned to Hashem your God, Vilachem, and to you. This is the only Makkah that Paroi says, Moshe, not only did I sin to God, I sinned to you. How did Paroi sin to Moshe? He never sinned to him before, he never sinned to him, to him after. Why by the Makkah of Arbez, Paroi acknowledging that he sinned against Moshe Rabbeinu? Furthermore, as of Simchabunim, the Rebbe Hashem says regarding Makas Arba, Ulemaan Tisaper, Yaznei Bincho Ven Bincha Eis Asher Hisalalti B'Mitzrayim. I made a mockery of Egypt. How did God make a mockery of Egypt with Makas Arba more than any other Makkah? I mean, uh, if an Egyptian turned on the shower and blood spurted out, that seems like a mockery. If uh, a polar bear knocks on the front door and and a tiger rams down the door and they barge into someone's house. That's a mockery. Why only is Arba considered a mockery? Says of Simcha Bunim of Parshischa, and this is assisted and aided by a comment in the Medrash. The Medrash says that even though the Makkah of Arba was not explicitly told to Moshe Rabbeinu, there's a remez in the words that HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Moshe to this Makkah. And in order that you relate. Regarding the locust plague in the times of the Navi Yoyal, Paragala Pasagimel, the Pasuk says, Aleha Levanechem Sapiru. About it you should relay to your children. It says the word Sipur by the locust in Yoel, and it says the word Lamantisaper here. So it says Ramban, even though it was not explicitly told to Moshe about Makas Arbe, there's a remez to Makas Arbe in the words Tesaper because the word Saperu is used regarding the locust in the time of Yoyal. So Rabbi Simcha Bunim develops the following idea. 
If Hashem would always explicitly tell Moshe, tell them this, tell them that, this is what's going to hit them, this is what they're going to be uh, punished with, Moshe might think, it's just to punish the Egyptians, but it's not for our benefit. So Hashem gives Moshe Rabbeinu an opportunity. He says, you choose the Makkah. You pick the Makkah. It's up to you. Invent the Makkah. Create a Makkah. So Moshe had one opportunity in the eighth Makkah to create a Makkah. Now the Rav Simchabunim says Moshe chose, invented, was Mamsi, the Makkah of Arba. Because since Paray said, Pen Yerbe, lest the Jews proliferate and increase, Meaning Paroi didn't want the the blessing to Avram Avinu of Kivarech Avarechacha Veharba Arbe Esaracha. Hashem Paroi did not want the blessing of the Jews' proliferation to come to fruition, and he said Pen Yerbe. So Moshe said, "You know what? I'm going to say yes, Yerbe. The Jews will increase by bringing Makas Arbe. That will signify that the brach of Avram Avinu Veharba Arbe Esaracha will come to fruition." Now, how did Moshe come up with Makas Arbe? He darshan something like Egzera Shava. It says Saperu Bayoyal, and it says Laman Tesaper. So, just like there it referred to the plague of locusts, here too it would Moshe wanted to invent, so to speak, the Arbe of locusts. And therefore, it says Reb Simchabunim, this was a great mockery. All the other makos. What weren't the greatest demonstration of a mockery? Because God selected them. But when God says, Hey, Moshe, you choose. And Moshe, so to speak, is toying with the Egyptians. He's playing with them. He's creating the way with which the Egyptians should be punished. That is the greatest type and sign of a mockery of the Egyptians. So, says Rav Naichai Shlita, this would explain the amazing comment of the Balaturim, the Arba rested throughout Egypt. Because who invented this Makkah? Moshe Rabbeinu invented the Makkah. Now, Moshe Rabbeinu has another invention in Mitzrayim. The Medrash says in Shemais Rabbah, Parsha Aleph, Ches, that Moshe saw the Jews had no respite, so he goes to Paray, Paray, you're going to destroy your workforce. If you want them to be energized, if you want them to produce, if you want them to have achievement and accomplishment, you got to give them a day off. A worker that has a day off was much more productive the rest of the week. So Pari said, okay, which day should I give them? So Moshe said, give them the seventh day, give them Shabbos. So the matter says, Halach Moshe v'tikein lohem esyoyim ha-Shabbos lanuach. Shabbos is the hamza, the invention, the innovation of Moshe Rabbeinu. In fact, the Rishonim say, that's why we say regarding Shabbos, Yismach Moshe b'manas chakai. Moshe should rejoice in the gift of Shabbos as if God has endorsed the innovation of Moshe Rabbeinu. So since Shabbos was the innovation of Moshe, and Arbe was the innovation of Moshe, so we, so to speak, the Yibar Sham combines and fuses these two Hamtsois, these two innovations together, and therefore on the innovation of Moshe, which is Shabbos, Vayonach Bechol Gvul Mitzrayim, the Arbe rests on Shabbos. So it says Vayonach by Shabbos, it says Vayonach by the Arbe. These are both the innovations of Moshe Rabbeinu, and therefore, in fact, the Arbe rested on Shabbos. What an amazing revelation that is brought to Kal Yisrael by the Balaturim, that the Arbe was Vayonach, Vayoyim Hashvi. Wishing everyone a wonderful and restful and joyous Shabbos. Haba Aleinu Thank you for listening.